This episode is sponsored by our friends at SongTrust. SongTrust is the world's largest technology solution for global music publishing, royalty collection, and administration. It was founded to simplify music rights management and to remove complexity from the publishing landscape. SongTrust collects publishing royalties for more than 2 million songs with a community of more than 300,000 songwriters and rights holders. Use promo code PUBCAST20 and sign up for 20% off your SongTrust registration. Welcome back, Pubcasters. On this episode, we're sitting with Lydia Schultz, Senior Director of Creative Services at CSAC. On today's episode, we get to know her, discuss her role, and how you can make sure you're getting paid for your songs. Welcome, Pubcast listeners. On this episode of the AIMP National Pubcast, we are talking with Lydia Schultz. Welcome, Lydia. Thank you, Tim. I'm so happy to be here. And today we're going to be talking about PROs. I would assume a lot of you may know what those are, but I never want to overassume and not get basic and let people know the value and why it is so important to partner in and have your songs registered with a PRO. As we know, there's four, I guess, technically now, uh, BMI, ASCAP, Global Rights, and CSAC. And they all function basically the same. They have some unique, unique differences, but... We'll talk about that uh, here in a minute. But Lydia, if you'd like to jump in and just give a little short bio. Oh, of course. I'd be happy to share. I went to Belmont University. I majored in music business, like so many of us do. And I did, of all places, oddly enough, I did the BMI Catalog Cast, that internship program that they have over there. And that's essentially they pick 10 Belmont students and they kind of we get to go around to all the publishers in town and they give us demos of uncut songs and we kind of create a compilation of what our top 10 favorite are. And I did that. And that was when I really got turned on to the idea of what a song plugger is. I was like, Oh my gosh, you're telling me there's a group of people in this town who get paid to play songs for people. Whoa, that's definitely a job I want to have. Um, so once I graduated, I actually ended up working for a songwriter, uh, J.D. Souther, and that was, to date, one of my favorite jobs that I've ever had because it was such a great example of the mind of a songwriter and what working with that creative personality entails. And then from there, I went to Broken Bow, and I worked in their legal and financial department, which is kind of a funny story because I had put on my resume that I had taken copyright law. And when I met with Benny Brown, he's like, oh, well, look, it says here you took copyright law. You should be in our legal and financial department. Um, <laughs> okay. He goes, you don't want to be a song plugger, but I think I do. Um, so I did that job. I worked in QuickBooks for about two and a half, close to three years. Um, and I proved to them how good at that I was not. And then they eventually let me move over to their publishing arm, which at the time was Magic Mustang. They've since been bought out by BMG. But one of the songwriters that I worked with over there, his name was Rob Hatch. And he just so happened to be married to a woman named Shannon Hatch, who ultimately ended up being my boss over here. In fact, she's no longer with the company, but she had kind of pitched it as, you know, publishers, you look at it, they're like the parents to the songwriters 
working in a PRO, we're like the fun aunts and uncles. You know, you come hang out with your aunts and uncles, and then you can send them back to your parents. So that's the short version of how I got here. What exactly is your role at CSAC? I mean, you kind of described what does the fun aunt and uncle do with the writers over there? So the it's funny because if you would have asked me what I do in January 2020 versus now October 2020, I feel like my role looks slightly different. Um, but creatively, I'm always looking for great writers to add to our roster. You know, we just signed John Knight, which is super exciting. We're really stoked to have a chance to work with him. Uh, we also recently signed another guy by the name of Chris LaCourt, who's just absolutely phenomenal. Um, but we have a lot of really great writers doing some really cool things. So I get to work with Jimmy Allen, who's nominated for new artists at the CMAs this year, which is super exciting. You know, we have Lee Bryce coming off of a three-week number one at Country Radio. Um, and there's ladies like Nicolette Hayford, Allison Belts Cruz, who, you know, have won AIMP awards this year. And they're also having some success at Country Radio. So a big part of my job is just getting to amplify and help these creatives and just shit. There's pieces in the puzzle that I can help them connect throughout their writing career. I'm always happy to do those things. And it's like before the pandemic, we did things like we coordinate a bluebird round or a show during CMA Fest or a show for Tin Pan, which a lot of those things have gone virtual. So we've still been setting them up, um, but it all looks a lot different. On the administrative side, I do a lot of song registration things. You know, if your song isn't registered, you can't get paid, which it's a little terrifying how many songwriters don't grasp that concept, which is why they have wonderful publishers like yourself to help them with those things. Um, I feel like I work with songwriters who don't really care about song registrations. And then I've got songwriters who are texting me every time a new song comes out, double checking to make sure that everything's all tied up with a bow on top, ready to rock. Um, I had a guy one time, an affiliate, he had a song in a Super Bowl commercial, and I remember he called me like, buddy, I'm so excited. Um, my song just played in a Super Bowl last night in a commercial. I said, that's great. You know, is it registered? Is it... No. Oh, geez. <laughs> Let me interject real quick. I don't always interrupt, but you keep mentioning register. So let's pretend I like to do this, take this role. I'm the dumb songwriter that's coming in to meet with my fun uh, aunt. And what exactly does that mean? And then a part B of that question, because I realized, like you said, okay, guy's song was played on the Super Bowl. Do I then panic because I'm now not going to get paid because my song wasn't registered? So kind of walk me through why I register and then will I lose money if I don't, re if I register late? Like say I also have a song that's already out on radio. If I didn't have it registered right, did I lose some money? Kind of walk me through that. I know the answer, but I don't know if all my listeners would know the answer to that. Great question. I'm going to start with the second half first, because I think that songwriting is a very competitive, very difficult um, industry to break through in. So, you know, we've got these folks who, work on writing songs for so long and then they finally have something come out to radio and the thought of not making money or losing that money is 
essentially a paralyzing fear to them. So we can go back a year and collect um, any money that would have been quote unquote lost, but the money's not lost. It's still there. I mean, there are special scenarios. If something was, if there's a miscommunication with the publisher, if we need to go back farther, like we never want our songwriter to not be taken care of and not make money. And it's, it is interesting how often the writer is worried that they're going to miss out on that money, but we can get it for them. That's our job. So the reason that you're registering the song is that so we can then go out and collect the live performances on the song. The live performances include everything from television, radio, regular radio, satellite radio, um, cable, you know, to go do restaurants, hotels, convention centers, all kinds of venues all over the country. So once you register your song, our system then tracks the song and you get paid. It's kind of the simple watered down version. Absolutely. And then you guys also have a good uh, live performance uh, collection as well. I always like to mention that because some people don't realize that if you're a performing songwriter, especially if you're playing significant numbers of clubs, do make sure you get your songs registered uh, when you're playing, turn in your set list and things like that. I, I, maybe you can touch a little bit on that process for them as well. Um, uh, cause I've done that as when I was at parallel, I did my own live songs and set list turning. I love it. Hey, I learned. Um, the, our live performance program is incredible. So ours is copyright driven. So it doesn't matter who is performing the work. So let's say you're Tim Hunsey, the songwriter, and Tim McGraw cuts one of your songs. Big hit, plays it all over the country. So you can go into your CSAC portal and log that song when Tim McGraw is playing it. But let's say songwriter Tim Hunsey goes and plays at the listening room. You can also log that live performance. And we actually just redid our website, and it is super shiny, fancy, and new. And we put a lot of time into making it more user-friendly than ever. So it's truly as simple as knowing where the artists who are singing your song, where they're touring, which there's a lot of great websites out there now. You can find anything on the internet. Um, I recommend a lot of people use songkick.com, and that will just kind of help you route the tour of where the artist has been. But we can go back, like I said, um, a full calendar year on those. So, yeah, it's a really great way to make some extra money. We've also started doing, during the pandemic, we've extended that to social media platforms. So if someone does a Facebook Live or an Instagram Live, they can also register that as a live performance. So when you would enter in normally the venue of where the artist was playing, you would just enter in Instagram. Oh, wow. That's impressive. I didn't know you guys had that set up. Now. That's great. Yeah. It, just, it was a little something we could do to help and give back during these very trying times. Yeah. I'm kind of curious. Is, is there a, a, a way to track that by chance? Or can you go into any detail on how that works? I know even on my end, I can, I'll go ahead and just be clear that I know that it's a kind of a gray area, kind of wild westy for me. Um, but is there more you could share about that with our listeners? I think Wild West is maybe the most accurate description for um, social media paying out on live performances. So it's separate because it is the we're paying out now with COVID-19 
everyone has had to pivot what it is that they're doing. And just as an extra bonus and an act of good faith, we've started allowing people to log what would normally be a live performance within their live performance notification within CSAC, which is different from a license that Facebook would have or a license that Instagram would have. You know, like those companies and the TikToks of the world, they have these blanket licenses, but it's all ever evolving. I don't think when Zoom was created, it was ever intended to be this platform where, you know, you're pitching songs. You are correct. I spend a lot of time pitching songs there. So technically, I guess we could call that a performance, but there's a lot that goes on for that. So what I'm hearing in that is that what you guys are doing actually is more of a a goodwill gesture and uh, more than um, anything else, like just to try to help writers out during this time. Is that kind of what I'm hearing in between the lines for the, the social media side anyway? Yeah, like you were saying, you know, you've seen big differences on royalty payouts when you've logged your live performances. And so we recognize that that is now missing. Like all of the touring income is essentially gone <laughs> like for the year no of 2020. Touring, yeah, <laughs> at all, ever. So it's yeah. kind of a way to create your live experience from your home. And we wanted to be able to reward people for that. What's your day-to-day like? And I'm sure a lot of that involves meeting writers and connecting and help. Because you kind of mentioned that earlier in the podcast, that you you help connect things. What does that look like day-to-day for you? Um, I think it's different for every songwriter. Like, no two songwriters are alike. That is very true. Um, You have some people coming in. Recently, I've had a lot of folks who don't necessarily want a publishing deal. They just want to have help with more co-writes. You know, maybe they've already got one publishing deal under their belt. They've got a lot of great contacts in town. They're just looking to improve their co-writing Rolodex and they want to hang on to some of their publishing. I think more than ever, there's a lot of developing artists who are also songwriters. So you're seeing a lot of publishing companies turn into doing more development deals instead of the traditional publishing deal and I think that's made a big difference as far as what people are looking for and what they want help with and we also but us being a private company we don't have a massive roster as far as new and -and up-and-coming talent like we have a lot of up-and-comers but as far as someone who is super green right out of the gate maybe never had a publishing deal just moved to town I'm not certain that CSAC would be the best fit for them, Um, but it doesn't mean that we wouldn't have good advice, song feedback, and help them out with things like that. I always tell people, you know, if I'm your biggest and only connection, like, you're going to have trouble. Like, it takes a village to get songs to number one, and so often that is the goal that you hear songwriters have, and you're going to need more than just me. So I like to connect people with publishers, managers, whoever it may be that they're looking for and make sure that those people are then following up with those new contacts because I'm just one person. And like I said, it takes a whole village to get anything done. Because you say, and you you are a bit more selective at CSAC as as you'd mentioned. So what is it that, that, 
attracts you to a certain writer or, or artist? What makes you want to sign that person? I'm asking a creative question now. So what, what is it that, that makes you go, I need to work with that person? Um, I really like the songwriters who are of sound business mind. Um, and to me, that's the people who are concerned about whether or not a song is registered, the people who inquire about um, statement payouts, the people who are really paying attention because, you know, at the end of the day, this is a business. And in order to stay in this town, you need to make money to pay your bills. And so I'm always more inclined to work with people who are a little more business savvy. And if people are not business savvy, I think it's something I'm always encouraging them to do because, you know, people always say like, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. But at the end of the day, the people at Publix, if you want groceries, they do think it's about the money. Um, so working with writers who, and even if it isn't them, they have someone on their team that's going to make sure that the money is all taken care of. And I suppose that's also why I enjoy working in a PRO because you know how you said, if you want to call us a bank, like, I help make sure that people get paid so that they can continue doing what they love. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the AIMP Nashville Pubcast. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform and follow us at AIMP Nashville to keep up with news, events, panels, and even new episodes. The AIMP Nashville Pubcast is created by executive producers Dale Bobo and Tim Hunsey, producer Brandon Harrington, mixing and editing by Casey Porter. Thanks for listening and supporting the AIMP Nashville Pubcast.